Hi and welcome back to the Village Trader Podcast. I'm a host in Jabul and Sabandi. This podcast is aimed at helping new and experienced traders navigate the markets and learn from other traders. For episode 64, I'm joined by a private equities trader, Richard Thomason. Uh, good evening, man. How are you doing? Hi, I'm Jabul. I'm well, thanks to you. Um, thanks for having me back on your podcast and glad we could sync up. Uh, it's been a couple of nights. We both had some personal um, things to attend to, but luckily we could hook up this evening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great to finally chat yeah. again, man. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. Have you been keeping? Ah, uh, it's been good. It's been good. Um, the podcast has been doing quite well. Uh, markets have been quite favorable, particularly last year. Um, yeah, and how about you? Yeah, I've been fine. Um, I mean, first of all, congratulations, 64 podcasts. That's um, that's quite some uh, dedication. So um, well done on growing your brand and your, your podcast series. Um, yeah, I mean, this year I took a new job. Um, so I've changed, uh, been in a similar industry. I'm not, I'm not in finance industry yet, but um, I took a change of tack in my career. So I, after 15 years at my previous company, I've changed and been a month at a new company. And it's been quite an interesting change. I've been um, using my brain a lot more and uh, <laughs> spending time thinking about stuff and growing in a smaller business. Um, so it's been quite quite fascinating. So yeah, still been reading my books in the background and looking at markets that still fascinate me, but it's it's been a um, quite a nice refreshing start to the year, to be honest. Ah, nice. That's congratulations on the job, man. Congratulations. Thanks. And the and the and the markets. How 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 was last year? How did you feel you traded last year? Yeah, I was pretty pleased. I mean, on the local front, I had some quite decent outperformance on the on the JSC, and then uh, underperformed on the on the US, but still had a decent return. Um, and. Yeah, I've made a couple of changes to both of my portfolios. Um, so coming into to January, I think I'm slightly down the US portfolio and um, you know modestly up on my on my local portfolio. Um, but it's been sure, it's been quite an interesting time for energy stocks, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 it, with oil running as, as as it is right now. Um, inflation probably gonna um you know, come in as well. Um, yeah, these resources and energy stocks are looking very, very nice. Particularly, I don't know how, how if you're investing in, in Renogen. No, uh, that's that's one I really can't wrap my head around. I need to do some reading and digging because, you know, I know, I know you trade price, strictly price, but uh, I like to have a little bit of fundamental background to it um, just so I can have a conviction to hold the thing, you know. Um, and there's people I really respect that, that are punting this thing, like Anthony Clark. Um, but I need to read about this thing. Um, I know that the, the most I know is in the free state somewhere and they do liquefied, uh, is it helium? Yeah, yeah, they do helium. And they, 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 yeah. they find and tons. And can cool like computer chips and stuff like that. And yeah, so I don't know. I've got a, I've got a skeptical jaded view on it, but I see the prices uh, ignoring my thoughts on the matter and <laughs> while it's risk on environment in south africa it's uh, go 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 you know so um yeah let's see what happens there it looks like it's going to go into the 40s to be honest uh, i don't have any any energy in um i do have um some oil stocks uh, both locally and offshore those have been my best performers um of late 
and um, have really propped up my US portfolio. That's one I, I got into Chevron when it was really oil was kind of out of favor and I bought um, Noble or something it was and it was incorporated into Chevron. They bought their assets and it became a big position and it's just got even bigger and it's just really um, yeah, made a huge move in my portfolio. So I've been quite grateful for that. Um, and then I see you're in, uh, in MTN, which is obviously very linked to the Nigerian economy, um, which is a nice move uh, in Jabula. Yeah, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. That has been uh, quite a nice trade. Uh, picked them up a year ago. I, th I think the trade is turning a year in April, April 13th. Um, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, man. Those are the <laughs> exact type of trades that I look for. If you look at that chart, it's nice and smooth, no scary moves. Um, uh, just moving from bottom left to top right. And, you know, I, I'll be the first to say that I was very skeptical because oil got so scared and went to negative territory on the on the near contracts and it's just bounced right back. So, uh, but I didn't like MTN in the first place because it was always in the news and getting fined by Nigeria and all sorts of stuff. So I stayed away, but it's been probably one of the best looking and, and um, instructive charts on the JSE, to be honest. So. Great, great yeah. trade that. Yeah, they 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 love they love hate relationship with the Nigerian government. Always just confuses me. One moment they beefing, finding each other. The next, they are doing quite well. Um, so, but I, you know, I I only just look at the price. So as long as the price is going up, I'm trade the price, man. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> There's a chap called Jonathan Honing. He spent time on the CBOE uh, Chicago board, uh, CBOE, CBOE in Chicago um, as a pit trader. And he's now, you know, made his money and writes books and things like that. And, and he's written a book called Price is Primary. So, um, you know, if you just tune out all the noise and look at the charts from the moon, that's all you need to do. It's quite boring, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. um, uh, the, Price is the only truth in the market. Hundred uh, percent. Was there what, any particular um, trade or sector that uh, moved the needle for you last year? Um, sure. What was my biggest mover? Um, uh, transaction capital did quite nicely for me. Um, that was my my biggest mover last year. I still hold on to that. Um, looks like it's found some support and might be turning upwards again, although I'm mindful that it is tied to interest rate cycles, um, particularly with the We Buy Cars transaction. Um, again, but I will, as I say, look at the fundamentals, but I will trade off the price ultimately. Um, you know, like, like the growth stock William O'Neill approach where you enter on fundamentals and technicals, but you exit on technicals. So I like that approach. Um, and then there were some others that didn't really shoot the lights out, but um, but did come through with with uh, with decent, you know, sort of thirty to forty percent returns. So um, yeah, I mean, I won't go into the exact names, but uh, <laughs> and then one I'll talk about now, which which I um, which I held on to, and I like to have these um, how do I call it? Uh, cornerstone trades, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, core trades, core positions. Yeah. So one that, and particularly in like a um, risk off uh, environment, uh, British American Tobacco is one I held on to. 
and it went sideways. And you, I think you were talking about time stops as well. Sometimes I do apply a time stop, but I held on to this particular one with uh, the good dividend that it pays. And I, and I thought, you know, in an uncertain environment, that would be good too. And then it starts to look like a one that was getting a bit long in the tooth. And do I eventually dispose of this thing because it's <laughs> it's underperforming? Um, and eventually this thing took off at the beginning of this year, you know, so um, I'm, I'm pleased that one is, is moving in the right direction again, whether the trade, con whether the trend continues, it remains to be seen, but um, it had a, a massive movement in a very short time in January at the start yeah. of this year. Yeah, British it, it, uh, it laid dead for a really, really long time. Um, it's, it's, yep. I, I was watching it for a while and then I, I was starting to forget about it and until it popped up recently, um, it's just starting to move higher. I, I, picked, I picked some up. Um, I'm looking to build that position up. Hopefully the trend will continue. Um, it, I, and I have no idea why all of a sudden that, that really came back in. Yeah, so right now I mentioned I, I I'm not sure if it was when we were talking off air, but I did I did get out of uh, a stock earlier in the year. Um, I'll tell you what it was. It was PPC um, in the recent turndown. Um, I also didn't like the fact that there was um, selling from um, execs. Uh, the fundamentals for me still look good uh, because they've got port congestion and strong rand and uh, fairly low interest rates. And there's this whole protectionism thing from the government where they can only use local cement, but the price turned down too aggressively and didn't really respond when it turned up. I don't know what it did today, but I got out of that. So I have this cash sitting in my account. I don't like to sit in cash for too long, particularly in low interest rates environments. <laughs> so I'm certainly looking to put that to work. Um, so some things I'm looking at at the moment, um, we are seeing some metals run again, uh, mm -hmm. palladium, platinum, not sure I'll go into single commodity plays like Kumba or um, or Impala, for example, but uh, I like uh, something which which you might want to hold for the longer term is Afrimat, which is nearing all-time highs again. I think it's just tracing out a cup, sort of a cup or U-shape uh, and about to break to new highs. And it did come off some quite nice volume, which suggests fund manager interest uh, a couple of days back. Um, so that's what I'm looking at. And yeah, the banks uh, are interesting. I know you're an investec, Jabula, and that's done mm -hmm. quite nicely. That might be um, one to, to jump into and you get quite a nice dividend play from that. And then I'm also watching, and I did exit Life Healthcare, but I'm um, looking at that, had a bit of a turn up today. And I think that's one, as we go back to a normal sort of, economy or normal states of affairs now that COVID seems to be disappearing and people going back to the office, I think we might see some normalization in the price there or a bit of a run there, although I still don't like this uh, NHS or NHI story in the background. It's too, that whole sector is too subject to um, government's uh, intervention interference, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the government was going. So I haven't quite decided where I'm putting my chips yet, but uh, I'll have a look around. <laughs> I don't, don't like to wait on the cash too long, though. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, you mentioned resources there. Number I was looking at at the resources chart. They're all looking like a nice, forming a nice space. If you, if you, uh, uh, O'Neill's follower, they're forming a beautiful, 
most of them are just forming uh, beautiful bases. Um, I, th- I believe it was Impala which came up with uh, with poor results with a uh, with poor results. I believe it was on Monday, um, and the price was not the, yeah the price is not budging, which which is quite positive, um, and for for particularly for the peers, uh, Kumba, Spanye, and 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 the like. When 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 you when you have a a a a a sector would have a sector play like resources. Do you go equal weight on all of them, or do you pick a a favorite? No, so I'll tend to pick one of them, one that I know from the past, or um, or I like the look of the chart. Um, so if I just take Sabanya versus Impala, for example, um, I'm just pulling up the Sabanya chart. Um, Sabanya, uh, Impala tends to move in a, a more instructive fashion for me than, than Sabanya. I don't know what the average true range or whatever is on these things, but um, it seems more predictable in, in a way to me. But if I want to get into a theme, a thematic play, I'll choose one. I won't slice up my um, my equity into into three or four because they're all going to move in the same fashion roughly the one just might give you a bit of a scare versus the other um, but the chart that i like to see is something that will keep me in not shake me out as the move unfolds no i got you got you and what, what do you think about the yeah. the grocery grocery retail play uh, yeah, so ShopRite, I mean, you can play ShopRite. I wish I'd gone to ShopRite at the start of the cycle. So um, Delphine Governor was buying it for her fund, you know, uh, I think it was 90 bucks or 100 bucks. Um, and that thing, this thing's incredible uh, business. I know Simon holds onto these things for his death to us part <laughs> portfolio. So this thing is very much tied to, to your booms and busts. But, I mean, you could have picked these things up at, I kick myself now for not picking them up at under a hundred bucks, but this thing can carry on running pretty easily. Uh, there was a price target put out to today, uh, put out on it today for about two sixty. It's trading at two one six at the moment, but that chart moves in a nice linear fashion up the page. Um, it's it's quite nicely above the twenty one day, um, and uh, it won't really surprise you. It's quite a pre- quite a predictable earnings type of business. It's yeah. going to really surprise you. They're making thin margins, and as inflation tends to, or as 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 prices go up with inflation now, um, they'll just pass that on to the consumer and keep their margins. Um, yeah. Yeah. So nice, well-run business. Uh, there was an, there was also another opportunity a couple of years ago, and it was probably pre the COVID downturn. You know, where they had a SAP integration issues uh, affecting their DCs or something. Those sort of things are really good entry points into a good business like this because you know they'll get through it. They'll just hire someone in. They'll work it out. Everybody uses SAP. You know, it's just like teething problems. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and, and I saw that um, Pick and Pay and, and, and Spa, which which are the, the main competitors, also Woolies as well, are just turning in the other direction, which is even more bullish for... Um, for Shoprite, um, and I think I think the the, the two sixty price. I also saw the price. The two sixty price is is conservative. Yeah, I mean, look, this is like déjà vu for me because you hear the same thing every time. You know, as times get tougher, people go less to Woolworths and more to Shoprite. I mean, Shoprite's eaten their lunch on the check is sixty sixty, 
guys on scooters and the, <laughs> the Woolworths guys came later and what's it called? Woolies Dash. And, you know, my wife went to Woolworths the other day and these freaking guys, they queue in, 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 the, in the same aisles as the shoppers. My wife was like saying, can't they have a separate queue for these guys? They're like holding up the tools. So they're, they're chasing away their own customers by trying to get back into this late mover situation, you know. It's ridiculous. So, you know, people will trade down in tough times and it, it happens every single time. Um, the spa model, I'm not too close to, um, you know, they've got, um, they're in Ireland and they've got this franchise model and that, so I'm not too close to that, but um, you can take a look at the chart there. The retailers, uh, the, the, the clothing retailers are a bit different, so I'm not too bullish about Mr. Price and things like that, Pepcor. Um, I think you'd, you'd probably be better to better off to play the food retailers, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So so far, I'm 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 on the the food retailers. I'm building a position on on Mr. Price after that golden cross, uh, and it's it looks like that's the fifty days holding is is holding the, the the stock high. And I think Mr. Price is the better of the the clothing retailers. Hundred percent. Yeah, that would be yeah. my pick if I had to choose one. Yeah, because Fashini and them are not are not are not. Not not that great, and Mr. Price made some some good acquisitions uh, in during the COVID. Just looking at the charts as you're talking, Jabura. Yes, the Fashini's yeah trending down to sideways, and uh, Truworths similar pattern. Yeah, yeah. Not too close to the fundamentals on those either. Mr. Price is a well-run operation. Yeah, man, man, you, you, you have, you have some, 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 some really good analysis and some, some really good picks, long term and and some, some you catch some really good trends. Um, what is is risk still the main reason why you're not trading yet? Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I think. Let's just take a step back. I think, you know, what attracted me to trading all those years ago was the, the fact that you can be your own boss, work from anywhere, make your own hours, eat what you kill, and um, pretty much be non-institutional type chap, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I've been doing this uh, 18 years or so, <laughs> and I'm still I'm still not there yet. So I'm still I'm still scared a bit scared to 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 make the step to do it full time, um, and I don't quite know at what point I would say I've got enough capital to do it. To be honest, uh, what's scaring me the most is is probably having two sons in a in a in a private school <laughs> up the road, uh, that I just need to get into high school maybe. <laughs> Hopefully one of them gets a grocery or something and then I, it, it will be a bit easier. Um, but the, the gearing, yeah, look, the gearing can work. Um, and certainly in an environment like we find ourselves in now. Um, but there you have to be trading a lot shorter term. I would think probably more like what you're doing where you're looking at entries and exits on a daily or weekly basis. And your, your entries have to be a lot more impeccable. Your timing has to be really good. Um, and uh, I'm giving you a long answer here, but you know, I think over the years, 
I've certainly built up the discipline to know that I go into a stock, if it doesn't immediately turn my way, I'm, I'm happy to bail out a position that's lost about 7%. Um, but if it, if it goes in my favor, I'll add to it and then keep it in. And, and once it's a, a sort of win-only trade that I know I've made back my, I can't lose my principal, then um, I've kind of got it by the scruff of the neck. Um, but to do it full-time, man, there's a lot of pressure. Um, in terms of doing it on a, on a gear basis, yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd probably do need to make that step and just really take a CFD uh, setup and and take that, take that principle and try and grow it and see how I go. I really need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and but I I don't blame you, man. With 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 two kids, you know, it, it, that does put brakes on on the amount of risks you take. Sure, yeah, you know, I mean, but I, I would, uh, you know, I would never risk uh, money that I couldn't afford to lose, you know. So I would yeah. just take a slice of my big portfolio and I'd play with that and have some fun. Um, and see what happens. But in, in all that we do here, right, and you know, you know this as well as I do. You've got to treat trading like a business, you know. Yeah. You've got to, you know, being losing a trade is is not synonymous with being wrong. So in all we do in life, you know, a surgeon, if he messes up an operation, he was wrong. He did the wrong thing. Right? So we, we we can only strive for perfection, but you it's like being a grocer, you have to budget for some food expiring or two percent of your apples delivery being off or being eaten by worms yeah. so not everyone's going to be great um so it's just the cost of doing business so you know when you when, when a trade doesn't go your way it's a probabilities game so there's lots of ways of skinning a cat lots of ways of making money um and you know i've seen dozens of people do it all different ways everybody has a unique individual method from social arbitrage to mean reversion to long-term investing to short-term trading to arbitrage, whatever, you know. At the end of the day, there's lots of ways to make money, but, uh, you know, you can trade off fundamentals, you can trade off technicals, you can trade Elliott Wave. People can make money even, even though it's probably nonsense. Um, but as long as you don't take a big loss, that's the... There's yeah. actually no secret to trading. There's no holy grail, but the only thing that you must never do is take a big loss. It yeah. won't only damage your portfolio, it will damage your your head for a long time, your emotional capital. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, I've had that happen to me and you probably do need it to happen to you just to teach you a lesson and, and it's probably the best lesson you'll ever learn um, yeah. is to never take a big loss, really. Yeah, I know when when you're listening to to the market wizards interviews, that that comes up a lot, um, and and I think it's, it's it has to do more with with the 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 big winners that you're likely to 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 miss out on because your your head was not in the right place because of that big loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I think the longer you you wallow on that big loss uh, and and find it difficult to move on. It, it happened to me literally in the COVID downturn. So it was after a fantastic year. I had 50% year or something. And you literally, you, you know, it's like a hangover after a good party. You think, oh, I'm the king here. I can do anything. And you, you become sloppy in your trading or you're put on a big position on something. And then 
you let it slip past your stop or something and you start to you know look for this confirmation bias that comes into it or you rationalize it just one more day which one more day um and and then you know you eventually you cut the position and it, it cuts you up for a long time right um yeah and whereas uh for instance after a, a market downturn everybody's gun shy of the markets but you know, if you talk about, uh, if you follow investors' business daily, they talk about a follow-through day. So they will monitor these things, these indices. As soon as the NASDAQ starts to tick up, um, I think it's like a third day in a row or something like that, they call it a follow-through day. And then they start looking for the for the true market leaders coming out of this downturn, the things that are really advancing and starting to turn up. And that's when they start to go into those names. And that's where these big names came through, like your Pelotons and... Uh, Zoom and all these other ones that ran up the page like um, Pinduo Duo and what is the other one that um, turned down recently that C Limited, you know, all these things that just went nuts and then turned over and, and rolled over dead after that, you know. Um, but yeah, the point is you've got to be able to move on after a big loss or a big downturn and forget about it. Just close the chapter and, and, and say it's part of doing business. Now, if you've done that after a big loss, it's a lot tougher to do than if you've lost five percent seven percent even twenty percent yeah um at twenty percent is kind of the cutoff because twenty percent you need to need twenty five percent to get back to even and if you go to thirty it gets more difficult but um psychologically then you started to lose a lot of money as well so as soon as you as soon as you can close the chapter and do the post-trade analysis and move on um the better yeah, yeah and some people yeah. do it easier than others yeah, and I think I think over time the 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 sooner you, the quicker you get over trades, and, and like the more you practice that, um, the more you get desensitized to both wins and losses because they can be both, um, hurt hurt uh, your trading, both yeah. winning trades yeah. and losing trades. Um, and I mean, I've seen, I've seen some, sorry to cut you off, Andrea So I mean, I've seen recently on Twitter, um, some, some trading coaches who've been coaching people through some huge losses, $500,000 losses and things like that, who, um, you know, it, it happens to the best of people that have been training for years. And um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was another one the other day, I heard uh, Tom Canfield, he was, I'm listening to the Alpha Mind podcast at the moment with Stephen Goldstein, I'm going through that mm -hmm. series. And um, the guy lost, uh, was over a million dollars. And when he was relaying the story some months after the fact, he actually broke down on the podcast. They had to interrupt and kind of let him get through his emotions, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment called What I Learned Losing a Million Dollars. And it's a fantastic read, to be honest. But, but yeah, I mean, these things teach the, the biggest lessons. And it happens to people that are experienced traders. I've seen a lot on Twitter, to be honest. There's, there's, there's another guy, loan stock trader that um, took some time out because he took a big loss and just had to clear his head and come back and start again. Yeah. 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 Do, do, do you have like, uh, um, uh, like exercises that you do, like mental exercises that you do? I know you are, you're an athlete as well. Mental exercises just to keep, to, to, to continuously keep your head on, on a straight and narrow. So I don't, I haven't really tried with effort uh, meditation and mindfulness exercises. Um, I did a course uh, which I was talking to Garth about by Steve Ward, who's a top um, trading coach. And it was a fantastic course. And he certainly 
went through a lot of these practically with us. So I did them on the course itself, on the six Zooms that he had with us. Um, and there's, there's various mindfulness books and meditation books and apps that you can use. Um, the people that talk about them, uh, there's one about John Kabat-Zinn, I think he's the yeah. person who westernized a lot of this. Um, and uh, you have to persevere with them for quite a while, uh, a good sort of, I would say, six weeks. So for people that day trade, I would think this is incredibly useful. Um, and to, to have this daily um, pre-mortem, as it were, like um, there's a guy, um, Atul Gawanda, I think he talked about the pre-mortem. Um, he wrote a book called The Checklist. And, you know, so you do that daily check-in, how am I feeling? Uh, did I get a good night's sleep? You know, am I hungover? Or, you know, did, did I eat well? Have I exercised? And how am I feeling after yesterday's trading, etc. So that I think would be quite useful for day traders. For me, my um, meditation is my running. So I uh, sometimes struggle to get out early, but I, I certainly feel very good after I've been for a run. And it certainly helps me sense my thoughts a lot and clear my head. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that, so that was uh, Steve's uh, stuff. And but uh, I would, yeah, so I would, I would say, if, you know, that's very useful. Have some sort of outlet that you can follow, um, but persevere with it. You know, you, you don't get fit running in a week or two. You have yeah. to persevere with it <laughs> to make the weight come off and um, make it part of your routine, I would say. Yeah. No, no, got you. Bro. And, and what is your running or oper operating metaphor that you religiously stick with? Sorry, just um, not following you on that one. What's, what's, uh, what's mine? Your, your operating metaphor um, in, 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 in the markets. For example, uh, you know, Paul Tudor Jones is the market is the game. Um, I think it was Bruce Kavner who says it's a multidimensional chess, chess game. I think it was Bruce or uh, Richard Dennis, I can't remember. So almost so, I mean, relate trading to, 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 to life in some sense. Sure. Okay. So for me, it's, a, it's an incredible intellectual challenge, right? Uh, it's something that I don't think you can solve. Maybe Jim Simon solved it in the book, The Man, <laughs> the Man Who Solved the Market, because he's had incredible returns with his hedge fund. Um, but uh, it's something that you can never really um, beat. You can always improve. Um, and get better every single year. And, you know, uh, your job's never really done. You can't say, I've finished this project now. <laughs> so I think that's what keeps people in the market so long, right? Um, and for me, it's not about that I make more than Anjabulo or Simon or whoever in a year. I don't really care about that. Although these, these competitions for uh, champagne wine from David Shapiro, these are quite fun, right? But, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, it's more a competitive thing with myself. So I love trying to work out how the crowd is thinking and why they're thinking that and how do they come to a consensus view and why do they think something's worth more today than it was yesterday when not much has changed. Um, so the whole crowd psychology and sentiment fascinates me. Um, and uh, you know, I think because it's a constant quest for success, you can always improve. You can always make small improvements in your life, however incremental they are. You can sleep better, you can eat better, you can um, exercise, meditate, 
uh, journal, uh, learn from the best, go on a course with Mark Mervini, whatever you need to do, you know, um, yeah. to try and get yourself better. And even, you know, you know, I've also tweeted recently, um, what is it that makes champions, you know, what gives them that kind of mindset? So Nadal won his 21st Grand Slam recently. What keeps him wanting to perform at such a high level? It's, it's not the cash, clearly. He's competitive with himself. Yeah. He, he obviously, when he's down and out and he needs an operation, he thinks he can't play tennis. His challenge to himself is, I'm going to show myself, I'm going to get back there, I'm going to be number one, and I know I can do it. Um, and it keeps him going. When he's at number one seed, he's, you know, what, he's done it, you know. What, what more is there to achieve if he's won his, <laughs> I don't know, 10th French Open and he's the number one seed? And he's just lifted that trophy. What makes him come back the next year? You know, so, so, so for me, that was a big learning for me because typically what would happen for me is, you know, I'd start to perform badly one year in trading, and then I'd get super, um, I'd, I'd knuckle down and you know sharpen my knife again and say, well, where have I gone wrong? But as soon as I start to make decent money um, and perform, even if it's just matched the markets. I'll become lazy again and I won't look at it as much or won't be as sharp, won't read up as much. And then, you know, but what is it that keeps champions like Lewis Hamilton and Cristiano Ronaldo having such long careers and staying at number one for so long? I find that fascinating. Uh, so just the one other thing in Jabula, what, what, um, what's my meditation as well is, or my routines, is I read a lot, so I put that on Twitter. Um, and I find that just reading, a lot of it's repetition, right? I mean, there's yeah. no, I've read quite a few books and they, a lot of them talk about the same thing, right? You know, follow price, cut losses, short let winners run, blah, 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 you know, the same thing. Um, so, so there's, I'm looking for one or two things that I can learn from a book, maybe to add to my arsenal. But more than that, I'm trying to keep repeating the same things yeah. uh, so that I don't become sloppy in my trading. And don't forget these things because they're so obvious. But the human mindset is why it's so opposite so often, you know. Yeah. So the reading kind of reinforces that. And even if you really read the same books, like you know, you talked about Market Wizards, those are some of the best books ever. If you just listen to those audio books again or reread those books every year, or Trading in the Zone, you know, the classics. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll be one step ahead of most of the people. Yeah, and I think I think that's uh, um, just going back to 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 old re uh, old books and just rereading them or re-listening to them. However, you consume your books, I think it's one of the things that separate uh, um, the top traders against the you know from the rest because, like as you pointed out, man, the most of these lessons that we learn from these books, one, they are the same across all of these books, um, and secondly, they're not that complicated um to 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 kind of figure out but when you reinforce them it, it, i suppose they become a belief um and then you have your beliefs sorted out when coming to the market yeah sure i mean you know if if, if it gets to a point where um you know i'll take this recent market down to if, for me that's it's never a good time because you have to start selling positions, but it's also a good time because you can actually take some good money off the table. 
and yeah. celebrate it, you know. Yeah. But it, when the time, there's another good saying from a guy called Walter Diemer, a veteran of Wall Street. He says, "Is when the time comes to sell, you won't want to." Um, <laughs> and I think the, that was the title of his book, or it was on page one of the book. And the flip side of that is, when the time comes to buy, you won't want to either. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, after a, after a crisis, uh, nobody wants to go near the market, but that's the time yeah. when you're going to make the biggest return. As soon as the market turns, and you won't catch the exact bottom, but when people are most fearful of markets again, you know, Cecil starts to turn up at 30 Rand or something. Now it's, guess what, 300 <laughs> Rand. Yeah. 360. Yeah. I don't know if people make 12 times their money, you know. I, I haven't made 12 times, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, true, true. It's it's very, very, very difficult because I I remember uh, um, when when Sasol fell to twenty six rand, I think was the low. Um, everybody was just jumping into to 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 Sasol and not just once and biting the bullet. And hindsight, I regret it, you know, to some degree. <laughs> Look, Sasol's a a prime example of um, paying up for risk, right? We all knew it was a blue chip. But there were significant risks attached to that stock at the time, right? Yeah. So, you know, Paul, I always laugh. Paul Teron from Vestact, um, works with Brad Kamala and the boys. He, he's, he, he's got a tweet on Twitter saying, uh, WTF, what are all the clients phoning me wanting to buy Sassel for? I'd rather stick my dick in a crocodile's mouth than buy Sassel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was in that same camp, you know. Uh, Totally respect Paul. I know on a personal level through running, and um, but there were significant risks attached to it. And you know, as I've got older, and, you know, I, I, I've certainly been very cognizant of these things. So there was for a long time they had to try and avoid a rights issue with issuing more shares, you know, and diluting shareholder capital. Yeah. Um, uh, so, it, but the people that ignored that and just followed the trend. Um, were smiling, right? Uh, so I only got in much, much later when those risks were pretty much off the table and uh, we knew oil was going up and the world had changed again and things were normalizing and uh, oil was a bet again, you know? So um, that's the risk you pay up for getting in early. And you can yeah. see it with ArcelorMittal and you can see it with PPC and you can see it with a lot of stocks that people wouldn't touch before that suddenly people are sitting up and, and you can see this volume going through from funds because the volume is picked up um, and people are suddenly sit up saying, you know, oh, what's going on here, you know? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I suppose that's the, that's that's the game that we're playing and that's the, the buying uh, um, risk-adjusted reward. Yep. However you define the risk and however you define the reward. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, any, so, any... You know, um, the, the... No, sorry, continue. You carry on. Yeah, so I mean, I just wanted to say one thing that um, the market, uh, in the market, the, the crowd's often right. And um, th there's, there's few times that, that, that they're not right. And it's around trying to, to spot that. But most of the times, they'll, they'll get it right when there's a story of the, you know, if you put a, a jar of sweets and you ask 200 people to guess the number of sweets in the jar, on average, they'll get it right. Um, so yeah, most of the time the market does get it right, but 
it's those times when they don't that you, you know, the turning points that you want to try and, and pick out, I would say. But for the most yeah. time, you can make a lot of good money by following um, during, during healthy bull cycles. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of, of following the, the, the trend and I suppose following the crowd as well as a consequence. Mm -hmm. But uh, follow them with your own rules uh, um, written down somewhere so that when, when the tide is turning, you're the first one to jump off the boat. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no announcer that, that, that tells you the market is turning either up or down. Yeah, they don't ring a bell at the top or the bottom. <laughs> yeah yeah are any rule changes you're looking to make this year um no so uh just you know in the u.s markets the one thing i have changed um is re reading a lot of these growth stock investor books you know i've read a lot of these i'm on my last william o'neill book and and reading all these books that are read and um, recommended by these growth stock investors mm -hmm. um uh, Trader Lion and um, Mark Minnabee's books and all these things, they all talk about the same thing. But so, so my, on my entries, I'm trying to be a bit more precise on my entries. So, you know, if, if you're trading longer term um, and it doesn't go your way immediately, it'll keep you in the trade, but you'll obviously be underwater for a while. Um, is that if the stock doesn't, doesn't go your way immediately, I'll probably exit the stock on like a 7% um, loss, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So it, and then I'll, 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 I've also been pyramiding, so I'll do a test position and then I'll pyramid onto that as it goes in my favor. But once I've locked onto the trend, like I said earlier, um, I'm, I'm kind of in and I know that it won't, even if I get shaken out on my stock, um, I've locked in a profit and then that will kind of boost my overall um Expectancy, positive expectancy, you know. So, yeah. So, just as the more precise entries, um, and if you read, there's a good book, Momentum Masters. Uh, there's a passage that I underlined there in terms of how precise these guys are in the entry, and a good position will go in your favor almost immediately. Um, and what these breakout investors look at are um, these base formations, and you can read about it in, in Wickoff and Stan Weinstein and things like that. Uh, so the cup and handle and uh, double bottoms and things like that. Once it breaks out you, and it gets overextended past that point, they yeah. say don't go in. Um, and they will also, I think William O'Neill used to exit on, on a 7% loss. You'd exit, no questions. But once he, once it's run up with a certain velocity in a very short period of time, you will then hold onto that position for a longer period of time. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the 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 good ones and the really really good ones, they just pick up and go almost immediately. Yeah, correct. Eh? And um, but 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 having said that, you know, often stocks that I didn't, I had the least conviction about, actually end up then turning out to be a good trade. Funny enough, and other ones that you <laughs> thought were really solid ones, that you sold another position like at great pace to buy the stock for, you know, those ones didn't suddenly just because you know everyone's kind of tuned in at that point and people are selling and things like that so yeah um i've seen that many times actually but but yeah things things generally do go in your favor if you've got your analysis right and it's about to pop pop up um you get that textbook breakout and and then you're smiling from day one 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was you know, remind me of Peter Brandt today. I think it is it, yeah, it was definitely Peter Brandt on the unknown market wizards where he mm. said how he feels about the trade is usually um, the sign that the opposite is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, Peter Brandt, I'm a great fan, hey. So I actually subscribed to his factor report service this year. Um yeah. and it's a it's a good couple of thousand for the year, but Man, he tweets out. I've got a favorite on his on his feed now, and it's for factor um, a locked feed, whatever. And he puts out some other good stuff, and you have access to his knowledge center. But this guy's you know, he's forty years trading, and I thought, you know, he, he won't be kind of around forever. So let me try and see. It's been <laughs> a, a breath of fresh air. But he, he's mainly a commodities trader. He's trying trying to do a bit more equities trading, and hasn't been as successful. But the guy's just so humble in the markets and. He, he will have no problem exiting a position. He says, if something's gnawing at his capital, he will exit it immediately. He's got no problem. He says, what he can't stand is when something moves away from him that he didn't spot. And he trades classical chart patterns from um, his kind of mentor and, and book that he follows is Rich Schaubacher's technical analysis book. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure the exact um, title. Technical, technical analysis of stock trends. That's it, yeah. So Richard Schaubacher. Yeah. Anyway, so he's a he, he he's a really fantastic guy. I love the way he marks up his charts as well. Um, head and shoulders are his, his bread and butter, really. Um, and he's got a really good handle um, on on commodity plays. He you know he'll trade futures pri- primarily, and he started out in the pits. So he you know he'll trade Kansas wheat and bean oil and yeah, all sorts of commodities that I haven't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of of um, of Peter Brandt. I'm, I'm not a subscriber to his, his service, but I'm a big big fan. Um, I, I I loved his interview, and I every time I tried, every time I catch one on on YouTube, I try to to listen because just listening to him and he has a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Strong opinions loosely held. That's my favorite expression from Peter Brand. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think I think it's <laughs> that's very important. I think that's very important. And it's it, it it that belief man stops you from holding on to 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 losing position with with hopes that just because I said this on Twitter or you know I, I, I don't want to now flip a position because I've said something you know. Um, I think that that's 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 my favorite. That's my favorite because I've had situations where, especially when I was starting starting out trading in public, um, where I said something about a stock and then you know a day or two later I was like, okay, I think I have to reverse it, and just because I said one thing on on, on the Twitter on, on Twitter doesn't mean I, I can't do the, the the exact opposite on on my trading account. Yep. Especially if it's eating on my pocket. Yeah. No, look, I mean, Twitter can be a dangerous place. You, it's, it's an incredible app where you get access to the brightest minds. Um, but you have to take it with a pinch of salt. And, you know, um, you, you can always find a confirmation of your view there. But you've really got to leave your ego at the door. If you're in a position that's, that's eating up, you can't go and justify it now because Noriel Rubini is holding it or because yeah. your favorite, you know, Charlie Munger's taken a position in Alibaba and things still falling. It's, it doesn't make it right. You know, he can be wrong for a long time. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Follow your process. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, gents, thank you very much, man. We're going to park it here. Thank you very much for taking the time. Do you, do you have anything to add? Um, no, Jabula, it was great chatting again, man. And um, all the best with your training for 2022. And uh, for Village Trader, um, it's great seeing you growing from strength to strength, as well as your capital account, man. Keep it going. No, Fantastic thank you very much. No, thank you very much, man. And all the best for you uh, in the coming year. On a new job and in the market. Thanks so much, sir. Cool, cool. That's it for the show this week. Be sure not to miss another episode of the Village Trader Podcast by subscribing on your favorite podcatcher. We everywhere where good podcasts are aggregated. This episode is slightly late. Um, so, um, yeah, you're only going to be joining us on uh, Wednesdays. So we do live sessions with Simon Brown every Wednesday for the Trader Series. The link will be that. The link to that will be on the show notes below. Otherwise, Richard, thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. Check in next time on the Village Trader. Cheers.